This is all about the coronation and that oath of allegiance. I'm assuming that most of you will have watched the coronation procession and the ceremony and be well aware of some of the contentions uh, that surrounded this whole event. But what did you think of it? Personally, I was very pleasantly surprised at the centrality accorded to God himself in the reading, the prayers and the sermon. Right from the very beginning, that was true. As the new king, Charles III, entered the abbey, he was welcomed by a young chorister who asked him why he'd come. The king's answer was highly significant. I come not to be served, but to serve. And so the ceremony became a service. And this phrase, this emphasis, this aim was repeated at least twice by the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby. And as Donald frequently reminds us, if something is repeated, then it's clearly important. Then if I asked you what were the points in the service that particularly struck you, I wonder what you'd say. For me, there were at least three. First was that that I've mentioned, the encounter with the 14-year-old chorister right at the very beginning, which set the whole tone for the day. The second was the anointing, not that we actually saw it, although we did get a glimpse of our king just before it happened. An ordinary man in a simple white cotton shirt, humbly kneeling in the house of God to respond to a calling that he'd known about all his life and yet had not fought for or been elected to. Which other head of state sincerely submits to such a religious and spiritual right? For fear of being controversial, I'll not say much, but even leaving aside any totalitarian regimes or dictatorships, I rather doubt that any Republican in any country, regardless of their national religion, would do that. This use of anointing oil to seal the appointment of a king apparently dates back to Old Testament times and the Israelite kings. Saul was the first anointed king of Israel, but then rejected because he usurped an authority not granted to a king. Next, Samuel anointed David, who became the most famous of Israel's kings. Despite several serious lapses, David repeatedly repented and was restored, such that God could declare him to be a man after my own heart. The last of the three kings of the United Kingdom period was Solomon. He too was a man who made mistakes, as we all do. He was torn between worship and women, and yet, when given the choice by God, he asked for wisdom and received it. And the third point that struck me was when William, the king's elder son, the Prince of Wales, pledged his allegiance to his father and then kissed him. Another archaic ritual and yet strangely moving. And so this leads me on to that controversial oath of allegiance. Suggested as a replacement for the homage of the peers, most of whom had not received an invitation to the ceremony, this proposed homage of the people may, or may not, have been a good idea. 
Nevertheless, loyalty to those in national leadership is endorsed by St Paul. Romans 13.1 states, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. However, there may be some exceptions to our allegiance if those authorities totally reject God as the ultimate King of Kings. As I thought more about this, it struck me that the proposed oath was, in some ways, rather similar to the words we speak out in a baptismal service. I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour and will seek to serve him for the rest of my life. Such an oath of allegiance to the King of Kings is wonderful to witness. But is any oath, as opposed to simple loyalty, to an earthly ruler equally appropriate? I wonder. Again, St Paul gives us important advice, this time in the first few verses of 1 Timothy chapter 2. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Saviour, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. It is clear from this that pledging ourselves to pray for our King is part of our Christian responsibility. So let's pray and continue to pray for Charles and Camilla and the rest of the royal family, using two short prayers adapted from a little booklet prepared by the Church of England for use in the days up to, leading up to the coronation, but equally valid just now. Let's pray. Almighty God, the fountain of all goodness, bless our sovereign Lord, King Charles. May he be wise and humble and above all have a servant heart. Bless too all who are in authority under him, that he and they together may order all things in wisdom and equity, righteousness and peace, to the honour of your name and the good of your church and people. Bless, we pray, Queen Camilla, William, Prince of Wales, the Princess of Wales, and all the royal family. Endue them with your Holy Spirit and enrich them with your heavenly grace. Prosper them with all happiness and bring them to your everlasting kingdom through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.